For over 10 years, we've been bringing you killer metal music and frank discussions about heavy metal. Wait, who the hell is Frank? You are tuned into MSR Cast, brought to you by Mainstream Resistance. Here are your hosts, Kerry the Metal Geek and Sean the Metal Pigeon. Keep it metal. Hello, this is Dauber. And this is Cami. We're from Oceans of Slumber. And you're listening to MSR Cast. Welcome everyone back to MSR Cast. This is Carrie, the Metal Geek here, and I have with me the amazing singer from Oceans of Slumber, Cami Beverly. Hard, it was hard for me to say that too. <laughs> Hello. How you doing? Good. I'm um, excited to be here. I'm excited to have you here. The pandemic has been challenging for everyone, of course. You fans are happy to have you back on tour, especially here in the States. Was the lockdown the main catalyst for this new album? Yes and no. Um, we really are a band that like has to constantly create and with facing so much downtime we wanted to make sure that we kept everybody sort of engaged and focused and hopeful and so we were like we need to stay on our release schedule release the album that we were going to do um which was the self-titled album and then just stick to you know our normal work schedule write a new album we had nothing but time and it was something that we we needed to probably keep our sanity like getting through the pandemic. So yeah, I think everybody needed something. Yeah. Usually, you know, a band will do an album, tour for a couple of years, do a new album. So that touring was just taken out of the equation, really. Yeah, and that you know the the performance aspect was so big for me, and it was really devastating that that was taken away. Like you know, it definitely sent me into a spiral of depression and so working on something like the new album on starlight and ash helped me kind of take take my mind off of that and look to the future and like i said like kind of have that hope that things would get back to normal and we would eventually be able to still do music publicly so what else did you uh find that helped you during that time um antidepressants (laughs) 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 reading (laughs) visiting family um you know dauber's family stays to themselves for the most part out in the country it's a much smaller population and so we felt safe like going to visit them and that was a huge refuge to just go out there and and spend time in the country i mean we worked on the gardens we worked on canning stuff we were doing puzzles like anything and everything so i watched a lot of movies that's for sure yeah caught up on shows like it was it was really such a bizarre time and so you know mostly mostly i took refuge in in family time that's great um so let's get into the album a little bit uh this album is definitely oceans of slumber uh it's yet quite different um so it's really a beautiful album to me it feels like this was the right time so let's talk about the making of the album you guys went to new york yeah so we wanted to record so everything was written here and during like the pandemic and then as soon as things opened back up um we wanted to go to studio g and work with joel hamilton who's just incredibly insightful as like a musician and then obviously as like a producer um he really helped us kind of bring to life these parts that we it's like make sure that it was the most potent it could be like what we were going to put out like he helps us help ourselves which is what i like really like about working with him um and then it's a beautiful studio full of you know all of the gear and uh, you know gear 
gearhead stuff that I, I can't speak on, but you know, right. the, the mics we want to work on, the amps we want to work with, the guitars and instruments. And so it was just amazing, amazing process, wonderful vibes, wonderful, like, uh, you know, from the interns to the owners, like, absolutely amazing to work with him and work there how was that experience of being in new york and working on an album like that it was it was such a culture shock because we came from lockdown texas yeah. to like everything's open yeah. and <laughs> brooklyn new york and so in new york's such a different it's a, so different yeah. it's so different and it was pride month so oh, wow. <laughs> it was just anything and everything that could have been going on was like bursting a color bursting with people it, like it everything we were on the subway among subway creatures like it it was a lot of fun and it is kind of like a i mean we've gone three or four more times now and it's definitely we we've clicked with it <laughs> and we know our way around like we're we don't have to look at our phone the whole time to be on the subway like right there's a certain vibe there that definitely speaks to the musicians and us you know, it's a great place to be connected, to make connections, to just feel inspired by the spectrum of life that's, like, around you. So that was very, really cool. Very cool. Um, so getting more into the album, the emotion is definitely still there, The but the intensity of the songwriting on this album, I think, has taken it to a new level. Um, there are still definitely elements that include metal, some blast beats, slow doomy elements, uh, some death metal uh, feels, but not really getting into death metal. Um, I'll keeping your more southern gothic style. So, what was the the main inspiration for the direction change, and how how did it happen? What kind of discussions did the band have? I think like the best summary of it is we have had these sort of songs. We've had this songwriting from the beginning, and we really wanted to focus on that and highlight that and really bring that to the forefront with this new album. And so we were at home. We're exploring a lot of music. We're listening to a lot of music with family. And I feel like kind of inevitably like that took us back to our roots and the songs and the type of musicians and influences we had growing up. And I think that we wanted, we, we wanted to do something that sounded like undeniably us, like undeniably Southern. And that's why this album is so different in that extent but hints of that have been throughout you know yeah. our previous albums you have like sunlight on uh winter you have the banished heart you know almost still almost all of the self-titled album was yeah. pretty it was like the heavier version of starlight and ash sure. and so that transition has been happening i, I guess for a while it, it feels like a natural progression yeah absolutely and you know we were at home we couldn't go anywhere else and so everything from visiting that we were really in love with going to the coast the beach was such an easy place to hang out and be safe you know COVID times we and so too. yeah we were at San Leon we're on the dike like we were we were at the beach and there's just something special about the humidity and how it hangs around don't get, just don't get in the water <laughs> Yeah, yeah, <laughs> along the coast, you know, co coastal living versus like being in the being in the water. Because I'm not like a big fan of like going in the water uh, yeah. at the beach. I have to see. I have to see my feet. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. For me. Especially in, in the murky waters of Galveston. Yeah. But we were at, you know, we're hanging out around the Trinity River. We're at the lake, and it's just those ions got in us, and we just wanted to do something that 
represented what what that year felt like, and that's what we infused in this album. So, so there are so many memorable songs on this album. Which ones right now, today, stand out the most for you? I love Red Forest Road. Um, it's so just big and emotional. One of the songs that I picked. Oh, awesome. It's one of my favorites. Um, and then I really love Hearts of Stone just because it reminds me of Mark Lanigan. He inspired that song a lot for me. Yeah, and so I, those are those are my two favorites. Well, we can play both of those. Uh, yes. I had I had uh, the waters rising, but we'll yeah. change it. Of course, uh, like I was gonna, I mentioned a little bit like the blast beat mm-hmm. in the Red Forest Road. Mm-hmm. It has that element in it, and it's just right there. But it's like everything else. It just it really works. Yeah, I mean it, yeah. that's what Dauber's known for, right? Absolutely, and I think that he, you know he he's such a dynamic drummer, and yes. he has this ability of like weaving almost his own lyrical melodic um you know aesthetics through the song through his drumming and so i think that this album definitely showed off a lot more of that yeah i've I've, uh you know i've always been a big fan of his drumming uh ever since the beginning he's one of my favorite drummers not blowing smoke up his butt because i know him and everything but he really is like you said his style and the emotion that he plays into everything it's, it's, it's great for a drummer. Yeah, and he's an incredible songwriter. I mean, he's wrote these songs, and he's as good, if not better, a guitar player. If you And a piano player. Yeah, yeah. and so imagine my face all the time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's get into a couple of tracks from the brand new album, Starlight and Ash. You want to introduce them first? The tracks? Yes. Ask me if I know their names. <laughs> the, like, in order? No, 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 just the two tracks they're going to play. Oh, we're going to play Hearts of Stone and The Red Forest Road. All right, we'll be right back. Take nosebleeds. You've got rocks in your belly. Dragging you around. So gay. Shadows stumbling over yourself Bloody linen 
everybody welcome back to the show um we're here with cammy beverly from oceans of slumber and we're talking about the brand new album uh starlight and ash i think imagery is just an important part of a band as the music itself what is the process of coming up with the imagery and styles for each album that runs through like the merch and everything it, it sort of feels like a, almost like a rebranding every time yeah that's exciting about it and it's a really fun part of a new album cycle um, we definitely like to do something different and make sure that we incorporate what is going to be like the most repre- representative of the album. And so for this one, it was, you know, a Southern Gothic, like moss and willow trees and the coast and crystals and like just all the things that you think of when it's everywhere from the kind of that New Orleans, Texas yeah. line. And to me, that's like that's resoundingly southern and resoundingly American. It's like there's nothing I feel like more American than like New Orleans. <laughs> uh, but, you know, it's, it's funny you say that the album gives me New Orleans vibe. It's, yeah, it's everything about it—the imagery, the sound of it. And so we wanted to kind of celebrate that that southern culture and that southern feel, and at the same time show kind of our reverence for country life and country living and this aesthetic away from the city and so that's where we kind of got the cover and it's based I don't know when when exactly it started but the story expanded a lot from okay it's like coastal living it's like this coastal town from being present time to being like almost like a Stephen King Castle Rock level imaginary place where all these different stories sort of cascade and make up the album songs so the songs are narratively driven on this album yeah absolutely we definitely wanted i wanted to try and approach songwriting in a in a much more storytelling sense um and so each of these stories represent it started off with like we wanted to take the experiences of like childhood traumas and childhood milestones of band members and turn them into stories and then I thought what a better way like 
without making like the stories about Samir and this one's about Cammy. Right. I was like, then they, then I need to kind of give them this folk element so that they kind of apply to everybody. And then in doing that, I was like, well, it kind of fits like, you know, just like the people in any community that this, this is their story over there and you cross the street in this neighborhood. And so I was like, this town just sort of developed. I want to say we were watching Castle Rock like around when it came out, but it's like, what an amazing feat for a writer to do. And why not? You know, it's like you exist in this plane where yeah. you're making these things. With your imagination, do what you want. Yeah. And so it just expanded to like a loose concept album or like a really deep <laughs> Easter egg level <laughs> concept album. That's great. And, and it, yeah. I mean, uh, I was going to, I'm going to jump a little bit, mm-hmm. but the talking about the narrative driven, the, the accompanying music videos have all been epic and narratively driven uh, without, you don't have a lot of the band featured in some of the, in the music videos. Uh, what was the mindset going into creating these videos for the album? We wanted to do something that was cinematic. Like, the music for this album, the music that we will continue to make, it's like it's, it's meant for, like, movies, or it's meant to create an atmosphere and a visual and an uh, inclusive experience. And we didn't want to just do the... The same old like play. It's I mean it's a glorified playthrough. If you're just right, kinda, yeah. <laughs> we're on a roof, we're on a mountain, like you know whatever. And so we wanted to represent this storyline that we'd worked so hard to manifest. And so we 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 pursued videos that were gonna like help us tell that story. It definitely comes through in the music video. That's what strikes me about it um, so well. It's really cool. Me and my co-host Sean, I'm gonna call you out here. We always talk about. Um, how bad music videos are now like like just I know record labels they want to do like the lyric videos mm-hmm. and all that I always make the joke that you're never as loud and as impassioned about something as when you're talking about bad music videos <laughs> yeah you're like oh my god what are you well, doing it's, it's true like so many things have been done and I feel like kind of in in metal more than other genres it's like the band playing the band playing and the band and the close up and the band playing and slow-mo band playing and it's like we didn't want to do that like we 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 wanted to show that our aim and our desire of, of representing ourselves yeah. is is more picturesque than that how important are music videos to a band now especially a metal band i mean us personally we if if the budget's there <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's 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 hard to say. Like, not that we don't care about them. It'd be nice if we didn't have to do them at all. It's kind of how I feel. Unless we can do them the way that we did for this. Like, that that would be the best answer. The best solution, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I know this is... Uh, you probably get this question a lot. But how does it make you feel when you hear, for you, that, oh, it's, no, it's a female-fronted band? Because... Go away, truck. <laughs> We're outside the venue, so you might hear stuff, and it's uh, <laughs> it's Texas, and it's there's going to be <laughs> and, and windy. <laughs> big trucks. So personally, how does that make you feel, and how do you get around that? Um, it makes me throw up in my mouth and get uh, enraged. No, <laughs> I think it's so stupid, and it is it fetishizes <laughs> being a woman in a band, and it kind of I feel like misses the point of. It's like, oh, look, a policeman. And it's like, it's a, a woman cop. And it's like, right. it's all these qualifiers that have to go with. It's like, I'm a contributing musician, and music is pretty gender neutral. That it's like, why have to place this 
disclaimer or this like qualifier title on it as a, because say, saying that I'm female fronted does not in any way shape or form tell you what kind of music you're about right. to listen to and metal has expanded enough there's at least three dominant types of female singers that it's like just saying female fronted is not going to tell you that okay. because a lot of the a lot of the chicks do growls that's not they don't sound girly they sound the same as it's not like there's a girl growl right she's a girl no. growler like no one says that so I it's mean, like growls with operatic right too. you do harsh vocals yeah. they're either singing in like a heavy metal kind of style or it's like generally symphonic obviously what we do is a, a little bit more intertwined and that even more so why I think you cannot say like oh they're female fronted I mean there's whole tours put together around female fronted bands and that's so ridiculous to me I hate when any metal bands are put into the, the subgenres and genres and I, I I like everything so I like tours that that sort of like mix it up and it's like yeah oh, it's, it's like we, we're music and we make good music we're incredibly talented musicians that care a lot about the music that we make that it's it's really it's really insensitive and short-sighted to try and contain us in any genre or any style and definitely by gender it's like that that it 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 makes me so agitated and i i try and get as far away from it as possible so i want to talk about some of the cover band that cover songs that you've guys have done in your career uh, you cover one of my all-time favorite songs on this album, House of the Rising Sun, mm-hmm. and it put an amazingly beautiful twist to it. Um, it feels very southern, epic you know. Um, how does a band decide what songs you're going to cover? We have kind of a list. I mean, as we hear songs and they stick in this like mental list of, of something that we want to create, it's songs that inspire us. Um, or songs that have influenced us or are staples and, and, you know, where we've grown up. And so we had been mulling around with putting this song and it, or Down Easter Alexa. And once the other songs were got, done, we, we ultimately chose House of the Rising Sun because it could be made to be so haunting and sort of dragging and, and adding, like, just that antebellum sort of you're right mm, to it and so the mossy trees and yeah it's like that is it's so it's such a southern song to have such a funny history that it does but it's it is it's like that song is new orleans you know to me and so yeah we we just came back around but we have kind of an ongoing list of things that we're <laughs> we're just yeah. gonna cover and it gets added to constantly so let's take a quick little break we're gonna play uh a couple of covers from the band we're gonna do house of the rising sun then we're gonna do one of my favorites the wolf moon Typo negative. Yeah. All right, we'll be right back. There is a house in New Orleans. They call the rising sun. And it's been the root of many a poor girl. God, I know. I'm one My mother was a tailor She sewed 
Welcome back to the show, my friend. Uh, we are still still here with Cammy from Oceans of Slumber. Um, how do you you joined the band in 2014? How do you personally feel the band has progressed from being a unit, touring, all that good stuff? I think it's been a. Uh, I think it hasn't been like too turbulent, but it's definitely been kind of up and down. You know, being in any band is is difficult, and this one's had its transitions. It's had its you know challenges to get over and ultimately I'm very proud of the set of albums that we've created and the music that we've created I'm incredibly proud of the journey that this band has come like come on and I you know I hope that 
people can appreciate like the love and passion and devotion that went into it. Um, it's been an incredible learning experience. It's changed my life, obviously, and you know, I I can't imagine or see myself outside of it. Like you know, something like this becomes like a part of your identity almost. And I mean, it's it is already there. It's just I guess putting a a, a title to my sure. identity, my alter egos and things. So. You know, how, it's been it's been amazing. How important is it for when you read people's opinions or the reviews or that type of stuff? Um, depends on what mood I'm in, <laughs> yeah. how well I take it. I, I try to stay away from... I only read, like, a few reviews, um, maybe in the very beginning. And then I don't try and read, like, any just general, like, fan feedback, I guess. Gotcha. Um, just because it's like, you'll be doing great and it's, it'll be 25 to 50 great comments, but all it takes is one. And then you're just thinking about it and replaying it in your head all day and, you know, know? wondering if everybody hates you. (laughs) So (laughs) I just try and stay away from it. I think, you know, social media is kind of insidious in and of itself. And there's definitely a, an idea that people have towards musicians and and creators that it's a opinionated take that it's like we're not asking anyone what kind of music we should make we don't care what anyone what kind of music anyone thinks that we should make it's not we're not making it because we needed a thing to give to them like i guess it's and it seems kind of contradictory but it's like we it it's like expelled out of us it, it travels here from wherever chose us to embed in our head and then it's like we have to get it out you should do what makes your everybody in the band happy and then people can come along for that journey well yeah it's about expression and when and i feel like influencers or or i mean not even influencers but like this this premise of social media makes people think that like you're doing I feel like they think they're you're doing it for attention and it's like yeah, I'm doing it are. because it's expression and either you can empathize or it validates something for you or you relate to it or you don't but you don't get to ask me to do something differently because I'm expressing myself like it's incredibly unique these songs are unique to my experience and, and literally my life that you're like can you can you like define or interpret your life differently so it fits me better? Right. It's like get out of here. Fandoms are toxic. Every fandom for any kind of thing. I see it being. I've been in social media as a job before, and it's it uh, it hurts your soul. It really does. Yeah, and and so I try and stay away from it because I mean, what kind of complex does that give me if I'm like, oh yeah, like people don't like these songs that are about the worst moment of my life that I'm just trying to share? It's right. like leave me alone. <laughs> like damn. So this is something I'm excited to talk to you about. We're going to get away from Oceans for a few minutes. Uh, I want to talk to you about working with Aryan on the Transitus album. Um, how was that experience working for him, working with him? It was so. It was very amazing. Like I felt so special, and it was my first time, I guess, working at another studio at the time and with someone else, like kind of at the helm, as I'd say. And so I was really nervous. And I'm like, he's worked with all these artists, and he loves all, you know. I don't sound that good. Like, why does he want me? <laughs> don't do that. That's, that's I have true. a lot of moments of tears that have not been caught on camera of me crying about thinking I am not talented. But that's that's for another therapy session. <laughs> but it's you know I I wanted to live up to 
whatever expectation I felt like he had and he was like no you're here to do you and he was so encouraging that I feel like it really helps me bring out it really was a turning point in how I thought about approaching my own voice and wanting to work on my voice and and feeling like I had something that was good enough right and so it was just it was really incredible I mean Arjun has a a great ear for talent so uh when he did the he does the he does these like um guessing game type of thing before mm-hmm. the album mm-hmm. came out and then the day that yours came out that morning I was like oh my god that's 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 mm-hmm. amazing um it just blew my mind I'm like and everybody's like who is that singer yeah, well, the pro- and the process is incredibly fun. I mean, I never yes. got to do something like that. It is, it's really neat to be a part of such a different fan base. Sure. And a character. Like, I love acting, and I, I was love... I about to ask you yeah. about that. We'll get to that in a second, but... That it was just... It was super cool. Arjun's fans are so devoted and so loving. And so, anybody that's on an Arjun album, Arjun, Star One, it I think it elevates the people, the band that the people are featured in. How did that affect uh, Oceans of Slumber? I mean, I, I got a I got a lot of new fans and a lot of people that came to look at what kind of you know listen to what kind of music we did because they'd heard it from sure. Ariane, and so I think the crossover was nice. Um, and then a lot of the fan artwork and stuff is what like they're yeah. little Legos, and I love them. I saw those, and you're in a comic book. Yeah, and it's just it's super cool to see yourself interpreted as a character. That, that's as close as like professional acting as I'll ever get. <laughs> yeah, okay. And then we did the videos and stuff, and it was like green screen, and I got to be all dressed up, and it was a wonderful makeup artist, and we were at his home, and you know, it, it was just such a magical, sweet, nice experience to be a part of something like so fun and expansive. How long were you there? What was, what was the process for uh, for doing the album? I think we were there about a week. Um, we flew in, he met us at the airport, and we, we went to his house. Um, he has a really nice hotel, like, by the water, with all the European ships that look like they're nice. from <laughs> olden times. <laughs> and then um, he'd pick us up every day, and we'd go. He had his studio set up uh, in his house, yeah. and his house is like a school that I've refurbished. Heard that. Yeah. It's, it's just it's super cool. And then his little dog, who's a... Uh, she's a... Uh, a Mexican hairless, but she has hair. I want to say that's the I've type seen it the, is. I've seen the picture. So she's so luxurious and cute. And it's just really nice. I mean, it's like, it's as as comfortable and just cozy as, like, it could have been. So another way he does it, he brings people in, but we're, did you not have a chance to work with any of the other people on the album? No, so no one, I didn't even know who else was doing the parts. Because right. you only hear, like, the demo singers. And yep. then... It's kind of hush hush too, so I guess that you can't spoil it even by accident. Sure. And so you, I just had my parts, and then if for the duets, you know, like the the demo. Did singer. you have to sign an NDA? No, okay. not that I you remember. Didn't have to go that far. I don't remember. <laughs> I did. That's I think fun. it was just like verbal. It's all don't tell anyone. I'm like I'm not telling anybody anything. I still have pictures because I forgot to post them because I was so secretive oh, no. that even after it came out, I was like, dang it, I could have shared them now. <laughs> Uh, when you were coming in uh, the mindset you, you were playing a character did you have to go into a different mindset when you were when you were recording yeah I kind of had to take off like my like metal helmet and 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 had the opportunity to approach it a little bit differently and, and with a little bit more like sensitivity um, 
and then for the kind of wordiness and and melodies just being so different from the wheelhouse like I had been working in but not I mean I, I kind of sing from the same place for everything that I do anyway right. so it wasn't really too much to change um, so we're going to get into a track from the album uh, from Arion Transitus. Uh, my favorite track. It's a, it's a beautiful track. It's uh, Hopelessly Slipping Away with Tommy Karavik from Camelot. Phenomenal vocalist as well. Yeah. well. When you first heard the, before we get into it, before, when you first heard the completed album, what was going to your mind? You know, I was just so excited. I was like, look at all my friends around the album. <laughs> These people I've never met. Right. <laughs> it was just super exciting. And it, it was just so beautiful to see it all come together. And you're like, oh, what a... It was just exciting for me to see the finished product as, like, the fans and people that, you know, weren't on the album. And so it was just fun. It was, it was very exciting. One of our goals is to try to see a band... Uh, that we've never seen before, like we saw Halloween, we saw Aventasia a couple years ago. We decided next time that uh, there's an Arion live performance, because he doesn't travel, right. we're going to have to travel there. Yeah. Uh, would you be interested in doing like one of those big Arion spectacular shows? I would, and that's what we were, you know, the pandemic hit like right after we recorded that, and so... I was like, man, I don't get to do the, you know, it's all dressed up and it's all crazy. So, yeah, I'd well, be down. Well, there's rumors that he's going to be doing it maybe next year or the year after. So, he's working on something. All right, then. So, maybe I'll have to come with you and just take photos. Yes. <laughs> Guessless. So, uh, we're going to get into Hopelessly Slipping Away from Erdion. Mm-hmm. We'll be right back. Abby returns home, racked by guilt and shame. Daniel's last cries of... Why, why, echo endlessly in her mind. She is broken, hopeless, inconsolable. It seems to her that there is only one way out. But then a strange sensation comes over her.
everyone back to the show. Uh, we just heard Arion. Uh, I want to talk about your, your your vocal delivery. It's so soulful, and it it really does fit any song that I've ever heard you do. Um, what were your influences as a vocalist, and what inspired you to, to start singing? My mom. She sang to me about everything, and she's she's a school teacher for me growing up. And she, my dad was a musician, and. We just had a very musical household, and she sang to me all the time. I mean, it was like clean-up songs, go-to-bed songs, like wake-up songs. And we always had music on. We were always playing different things. And I just I learned to love my voice like early on. I was encouraged to express myself early on. I mean, there's Aretha Franklin, Luther Vandross, like just old-school old Motown playing in the house, Jackson 5, like a little bit of everything. And so as I got older, it always remained something that maybe kind of subconsciously I practiced that I didn't realize I was honing a skill quite as much but I always was kind of a perfectionist and I'm like if I'm going to sing along to this I want to sing it just like them and so I mean that was my my training is putting my face to the radio and being like I'm going to nail this line you know so what got you into uh, metal when was that I would say kind of like high school grunge era yeah. things uh, like Soundgarden, Alice in Chains were my gateway drugs <laughs> that were, led me Nothing to heavier, I, heavier I like things yeah. and still probably one of my favorite genres today is just like grunge rock, grunge metal. Like I just love how dragging and bottomed out and incredibly soulful these vocalists are that I feel like they do not get credit for being as soulful singers as they you are. You mentioned Alice in Chains but I definitely, I feel that about that band for sure like huge influence and uh like mark lanigan like that just that whole crew because they just sang from the heart and soul and you just feel it screaming trees is definitely an underrated band absolutely yeah. and it's, it's just it's too cool to just have that and you know like it, it while they are from what north west yeah I just take everything. They still felt Southern. No, I'll say it. <laughs> yeah, they did. It just had such a grit to it. Just like a, there's something nature about it, you know, like it's just, it's so authentic. And I, so, was, I was definitely one of those metalheads growing up where when, when grunge happened, I sort of embraced it because it's a just, I thought it was just a different style mm-hmm. of heavy music. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, grunge killed metal. I'm like, no, it just changed it for the better. Right. And, you know, friends had the garage bands that were just lunatics. And I would say it kind of wasn't until I met Dauber and got into Oceans that I saw how broad metal was. And then it's like death metal, black metal. Like, I love death metal. I love little caveman metal, you know, like shoegaze. Like, there's a little bit of yeah. everything. And it definitely broadened my horizon on, you know, not it's not just corn, Slipknot, and Metallica, right. or, he, you know, heavy metal. But those are, those are good gateway drugs. We yeah. talked about, you know, gatekeeping and all that on the mm-hmm. last episode, and, you know, the whole Stranger Sing and Metallica thing. But yeah. I think it's a good thing that if it gets people, okay, I'm, I like Metallica, that's a good song, it's going to go down that rabbit hole. Right, like people are allowed band. to like, if it's, a, if it's a good song, you know it's a good song then everyone will like it that's the whole point it's like i think metal doesn't get it doesn't get the broadcasting that it deserves yeah but also it's like is it not because of the gatekeeping sometimes of not allowing people to like just appreciate more music like good grief it it goes metal comes in in waves you know Mm -hmm. um maybe you know thrash will come back we don't know yeah great yeah I, I I believe it. It's like all of those things, music and trends, they're all so cyclical. So, they yeah, are. for sure. So, on that note, um, I'll let you program the show for a little bit. Uh, 
select a few songs from bands that really did influence you, and then um, maybe something new you're you're into and want to share with everybody. I'm like kind of like Bjork's not new, but deep diving into what she does is new to me. Um, Annabelle, our little girl, has yes. been in love with Bjork, and she sings along, and I'm like, I I don't. So Bjork's one of the few artists like I don't sing along to, just because her voice and style and approach are so different from mine. And like I said, it's like I'm a perfectionist. Like I'm not gonna sing along if it's not even gonna sound close right. to like the essence. And I, it's like I haven't quite figured out. And maybe because it's so unique, like she's goddess level from another planet when it comes to like creating music, that I can't hone in exactly where it comes from for her and so I just enjoy it and I don't really try and sing it and so Annabelle singing along though is so amazing because I'm like talking about vocal training if you're going to try and sing along to Bjork and so um, what song do you want to pick? Venus as a Boy is my favorite right now I've never heard that song actually it's so pretty and she's so amazing it's it's that or I can't remember the name where she's throwing things off of a cliff and it's such a sad song but we'll do Venus as a boy it's not such a downer as the other song what, what else did you want to do um have, have you heard uh, you know Army of Me yeah Helmet covers that song at one point and it's I really good that. I'll have to yeah. check it out and then switching notes to my my favorite um favorite grunge era artist and it's Mark Lanigan oh yeah and his Blues Funeral album uh the Gravedigger song I just had it in my heart and head that, like, I was going to get to meet him one day. Oh. Like, I just knew it. I felt like we were close, our, our orbits, our energy. Like, I just knew we were close. And so I was really sad to find that he, like, had passed away. And he's, an, he's an amazing songwriter. Such an amazing guy. And then we watched a segment. And so Anthony Bourdain was the other person. Like, I, I don't have a lot of people, like, I want to meet. Like, I was like, I want to meet them. And they were just, like, my top two. Yes. And I was like, I just, I know we can figure out how to meet Anthony Bourdain. He was here in Houston. Like, I was like, I know you can figure out a way. So it's just so tragic. I absolutely love Anthony Bourdain. He's uh, he's who I aspire to try to be. Yeah, like, just an amazing, tragic, complex yeah. person. But he loved Mark Lanigan. Yes. And his intro song is a Mark Lanigan song. It is. And he has a whole, like, show where he was hanging out with him and did the music video. I remember that. And so Dauber and I will just watch it when we're feeling like... Oh, <laughs> we just that's have a go-to yeah. happy place. And so... I remember Anthony Bourdain at one uh, one episode, he, I remember he was in Rio or something, and he's like, oh, those costumes are very guar-like. I was like, that's the best description of a costume ever. I love <laughs> yeah. that. Yeah. So um, two amazing guys, and they're... They're on. They're on. They're still on my list of like obviously people I'd want to meet. They're uh, yeah. timeless now. So exactly. Um, what, what about something new? What's uh, what tickles you? So there's an artist n- named Yeba. I mean, I knew like she came out with something, or knew like new to me. Her related. Her album came out in 2021, so that's not really new. New. What has come out? I heard, of, I heard of the new Ocean album. <laughs> In my album, it's on repeat so that I can learn the <laughs> words and not mess them up at shows. <laughs> um, I don't. I don't. I've not been good with new stuff. Which is funny because I, I definitely am on release. Uh, I mean, Cancer Bats. That was earlier this year. Okay. I don't think I've ever played them on the show, actually. Cancer Bats Hammering On. All right. I love that song. You've it's a duet it? with a female vocal in it. 
and she had such a grit and strong like just that dual Janet sexuality Joplin, yeah. thing that's going on and it's it's I have these funny playlists that I make that I don't know if anybody sees them and I try and give them clever names <laughs> but check her out on Spotify check out my uh, Spotify check, <laughs> check out the uh, the playlist she's doing all right let's get yeah. into your set of music of your influences and we'll be right back <laughs> Oh, 
Welcome back to the show, my friends. Uh, so you guys have played a lot of amazing shows. What have been some of those jaw-dropping bands that you got to see perform live you never thought you would ever see? We got to see Joe Quayle. She's a violinist, and it could have been could have been the drugs, could have been late night out to tune, and it was this nighttime festival in the mountains of Hungary? Question mark. I don't know where we were. Sorry. And it all blurs together, right? All all these neon lights and lasers and people just tripping on all sorts of psychedelics. I'm assuming, and violin. Nice. And it's kind of, it was a metal festival, and yeah. it's like distorted violin, she's doing all this stuff, and it was just really cool, and always sticks in my mind, like, as a concert yeah. I've seen. And then, Danzig. I got to go on tour with him via Necrofire. I was yep. in <laughs> But watching him live, like, what a beast, and what a legend, and he deserves all the respect that he gets. Like, uh, like, really, really amazing fun show. So, and then we were in front row in Judas Priest. I have too many, so we've been around. But never those, with that. Those are the ones. Um, so I want to get into this. You've been guest recently on some amazing albums that I'm a big fan of: uh, Swallow the Sun, uh, Mercury Mercury Circle. Tell me your experience about getting into those, and how did that happen? Via going on tour with them um, and being like friends, that when their projects came up, and I was more than happy to lend my voice to you know what they were doing and so it was it was pretty easy i mean they just asked and i was like yeah so it wasn't too much thought to it, it kind of popped up in the middle i think it was the pandemic or 2021 right right after and yeah we you know stay in touch throughout the year and we're figuring stuff out and they're one of the bands like we we've, we've talked about touring with and so we thought it'd be neat to just share some songs right now. yeah <laughs> one of my favorites um Let that pass it hasn't been too bad. H-Town. H-Town living. So, what is your dream tour? What is my dream tour? I, I, ha- I had this the other day. And then I let it I let it slip away. I mean, do they have to be alive? I always no. thought that it would be really cool, like, Oceans and Typo Negative. Like, just... It'd be fun. It'd be fitting. I think that their style like matches ours, but enough of like a contrast. Maybe not necessarily like with the new album, but I just think it'd be good. That would be amazing. Uh, all right, so let's get into a couple tracks real quick. We're gonna get into uh, Mer- Mercury Circle, uh, like matches, and then to all of a sudden, all hollows grieve. We'll be right back.
right, guys, we're back to the show. Uh, a few more questions for Cammy so she can get ready for the show tonight. How has the band adjusted to the monetization of streaming compared to the old traditional way of album sales? Do you think you have to compensate with other aspects of the band? Yeah, like definitely like like real merch or shirts and things like that. I mean, artists don't we don't see shit from streaming. Like there's there's very little that comes through and then you're fighting an algorithm, you're fighting platforms that make you take out ads and yeah it's i'm i'm hoping that one day there's like a big breakdown coming and a great like exodus from the internet and people go back to you know in-person street teams and just wanting to get physical merch from physical people i'm, a, I'm still a big physical you know merchandise guy i buy albums and cds and people are like you're still buying cds i'm like yeah i'm supporting the bands but I think so many people ha- are they they do it and deal with those platforms because they have to, not because they want to. So yeah, sorry. So brand new release, uh, and the band is back on tour right now. What's next on the agenda? Well, depending on how this goes, um, maybe we do another coast. So this is like East Coast. So maybe if it goes well, we'll do another coast. But we don't know. We just take it like one one project at a time. <laughs> We've been working on a lot of new stuff and other projects, and so we'll see. Nice. Can't wait for that. Um, any final words to the fans? I hope that if we're coming near you to come out to a show, um, we feel super, you know, amazed by all of the support that we have gotten for the album, for people that do kind of get what we're doing, and, you know, we always, we always appreciate when we get to, like, see everyone and, and the feedback, so... All right, well, Just thank be you. nice on our social media platforms. Yes, we are nice. reading it. We're real people. <laughs> thank you uh, for your time tonight and <laughs> have fun on stage tonight, and we'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Thank you.
Going back to, you, you mentioned All Hallows Grieve. What led to getting Cammy, who's a, you know, local hero here was Ocean of the Slumber on that track? Yeah, well, we met her first time in 2016 when we played here, actually. Mm-hmm. This very same venue. And uh, they came to see our show. And uh, so so we've been friends since. And uh, they actually, we did the European tour with them two and a half years ago, like with the... Yeah. previous album so uh, so we got to know even better on because we shared the tour bus and uh, and uh, yeah and actually it's uh, we all, all like really really like her voice it's it's very unique and I would say she's the best like uh, really great voice and like uh, on that tour we of course saw her performing every night mm-hmm. and uh, I think I think we already decided there that if we are gonna need some female vocals for the for the album in the future we are gonna ask her like uh, it was awesome. a really obvious choice that yeah she was uh, she was great on the last Arion album she's just getting everywhere it's amazing mm-hmm. yeah but yeah it's uh I think she's the best. Yeah, I, I agree. She's a really nice person, too. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Geekazoids. Thanks for listening to another fine podcast brought to you by MSR Productions. All rights reserved, blah, 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 blah. For reviews, archives of our podcasts, and all your other metal geekery needs, please visit metalgeeks.net. Keep it geeky. Keep it metal.